Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Ooh. Must be a good day, I'm already crying. <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Abba. Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit. We just want more of you. We just want more of you. Open our eyes and our awareness of your presence. Right now, I thank you for enlarging our hearts, our capacity to encounter you, to receive from you, to perceive your presence in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. My prophetic foresight, I brought the Kleenex up with me. (laughs) No, there's there's more than one in there. (laughs) Somebody said just one, but you you knew where I'm going already. (laughs) Peter knew. Wow, okay. Well, we'll see where we, where we end up today. I honestly, I just have on my heart to, to talk a little bit about what's been going on in my life personally and just kind of share some things that have been happening and where I feel like the Lord has us, I, I feel is, is tied in to where he has me. So I hope you agree or else you're just yoked for the ride and I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Man, well, this has been a very interesting season. And we say season a lot. And by season, I'm kind of talking about the last, I don't know, three years or so. I I think, honestly, for for me and my family, it's... um, More like six years. <clears throat> the Lord's been doing a lot. And in the last years, we've seen a lot of shaking. But I'm not up here to talk about shaking. I'm not up here to talk about trials. I'm here to talk about his goodness and his faithfulness in the midst of it. Because it's often in the trials, in the shaking that he's revealed. Has anybody felt some trials in the last few years? (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Count it all joy, amen. Hey, oh, guys, I'm already feeling great. I tell you, I, I was in the green room just praying some before. I just felt like I needed to take a little bit of more alone time and just pray. And when I walked in, worship was already going, and it was just like walking into a wave of his presence. There was something different this morning. And even right now, your interaction already, it's like, we're, we're all in. So I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I just hope this encourages our hearts. In, in this season when so much has been shaken, and I just feel like we've been looking for a purpose and meaning and different things. And it's like, Lord, what are you doing? I feel like so many people have asked that question. What are you doing or what's going on? And, you know, it's, it's caused and allowed time and circumstance and situations to pause and reflect, to dig deeper. 
And especially in this last three months, we just kind of, it, it, it should have been a situation that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It should have been the situation that's like where I just threw my hands up and I was like, all right, Lord. <laughs> and in a way I did. But it was really the last straw to the breakthrough. It was really the last ounce of self-reliance. It was, it was the crack that just let the dam go. And I want to testify, my wife can, can uh, confirm it, but these last three months, I felt better than I felt in years. I have been more aware of the presence of God in my life. I've had more peace, more joy, more grace on my life in the last three months than I can remember in a long time. And I'm not saying I wasn't walking with the Lord. I wasn't backslidden. I wasn't distant. I wasn't, you know, in a dark night of the soul or, or you know, struggling. I was doing well. Things were going well. I mean, there was shaking and there was trials, but... You know, we were seeing a lot of amazing things happen as well. A lot of testimonies, a lot of breakthrough in our life. But I didn't realize even the comfort or complacency that I had allowed in. It's like, I don't even know how to navigate this message exactly. I'm just talk, talking about our process and, and my heart and what's been going on. And this, this scripture, I feel is so fitting for what's been happening. In Hebrews, um, oh gosh, I didn't write down the chapter here. <laughs> Read your Bibles, right? In Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it says, <laughs> oh, I'm toasted already, so. In the, in the book of Hebrews. <laughs> oh, it talks about a kingdom that can't be shaken. And in, in a verse, it says, for you have not come to what may be touched. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. He's talking about the Almighty God, the power of God. A blazing fire. There's something about God that we know, but we, we can't just, we fully can't touch either. It's the awe of God. And later, later down in verse 25 in this chapter that I'm sure will come back to me. 12, thank you. 12. Well-known well chapter that I just so conveniently forgot. <laughs> in verse 25, I'm just going to read a chunk here. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of the things that are shaken. That is, the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And listen to this. Therefore, let us be grateful 
for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. In this shaking, our response isn't to take cover. Our response isn't to try to cling on to these things and hold them up in our own strength to try to hold fast so, so it won't crumble. Our response is to let it be shaken in awe of a God who is a consuming fire, who's a burning flame, who, who's consumed in this, in this tempest. And trust in his power and his might and his sovereignty to allow the shaking and in that to worship and be grateful. This is where I feel like the Lord has me. And I gotta admit, this wasn't out of some great spiritual discipline or some, you know, um, something that I worked up in myself or something because, you know, of all the years and I've, you know, all the X, Y, and Zs that I've done where I'm about to teach you a class on how to persevere through the trials. No, this was by the goodness and grace of God. This was by his faithfulness because there's no way I could have orchestrated the last six years of my life. Absolutely none. I'm not that bright. And I'm not putting myself down, but I don't care. Like, you could take the most amazing screenwriter or whatever, you know, the most brilliant mind, and there's no way they could orchestrate the things that have taken place in the last six years. And in the last three months, it wasn't like I just said, okay, Lord, this is it. I'm taking my stand as a mighty man of faith. It was literally... I just felt like God saying, are we there yet? Was I ready to let go? And in that has been the most glorious experience. In that has been the nearness of God. In that has been God's provision and his faithfulness, his miraculous power, the awareness of his presence, inexpressible joy. I'm crying not because I'm sad, I'm not grieved. I'm crying because my heart is just stirred. I feel emotionally raw by the nearness of God. I don't have words to express it. I don't have emotions that can contain it. I don't have a theology to explain it. It's just when God shows up, my human form is frail. And it leaves me undone. And I don't ever want to get back. If, if this is undone, I don't ever want to be done. I don't want to get my act together. I don't want to become polished. I don't want to learn how to do church. I don't want to be fluent in Christianese. I don't want to walk this walk for any other reason but to know the nearness of my God. So we just were reading that in Hebrews 12 and it's, it's something that's been a theme in this season of just being close to God is seeing this pattern of God's presence is often marked by fire. And also his presence is often revealed in fire. Meaning, so many times in scripture, we see when his fire comes or you know, that there's a fire that accompanies it or in, in descriptions of God talks about him being a consuming fire. 
a blazing flame, like in Hebrews 12, right? But also, when we find ourselves in fiery trials, when we find ourselves in the fire, it's often where we realize how near he actually is. It's often when we're going through those times that we, that we reach out and call out for his presence and we become aware of how close he actually was. Just a few scriptures. Exodus 3. God met Moses in fire in the burning bush. Interesting note here is that Moses was about his his daily business. I was just looking to see if there was something burning over there I needed to turn aside because that's where I was going. <laughs> he, was, he was doing what he did. It was his daily life. It was his routine. He'd experienced trials. He'd experienced shaking. He'd experienced all these things. And, you know, we know the story. He's in the back of the wilderness tending sheep. If you don't know the story, go read it. It's a really good story. And he's out tending sheep and, and he sees that a, there's a bush on fire, this burning bush. But he realizes that it's not a natural fire because he saw that the bush wasn't consumed. If you're familiar with the wilderness and that part of the, the globe, bushes actually do light on fire. There are random fires out there, you know, because of the heat and the dry climate and all of these things, like things can combust out there and you can have fire. So it wasn't necessarily a, a very uncommon um, occurrence for Moses to look and see a burning bush. But what he noticed when he looked at the bush was that it wasn't being consumed. And he said, knew that this wasn't natural. And in that there was a stirring produced in him where I have to go check this out. I have to see what this is about. And it says that when God saw that Moses turned aside, he spoke to him. It was in the turning aside. It was in the, the stirring of, wait a minute, this is not normal. There's something more available here and I want to go check it out. I love it, my brother Matthew my brother-in-law, Matthew, who was here with us for Passover, he often says that the fire of God is heaven's advertisement plan. That's a marketing plan of the kingdom. I like that one. All right, let's keep going. Exodus 13, 21, a pillar of fire in the wilderness as he's leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. Deuteronomy 4.24, he's described as a consuming fire. 1 Kings 18.38, it's when the fire of God fell when Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. 2 Kings 6.17, is when Elisha came out with his servant. He was surrounded by an army and he prayed for his servant's eyes to be open and he saw the host of heavens and chariots of... Hey, you're with me. Jeremiah 23, 29. He says, he describes his word like a fire. Daniel 3, 25. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire but there's a fourth man in the fire. Remember, sometimes the fire of the trial can actually produce and release a greater fire. Sometimes that can help us to be aware of the presence that was there all along. Acts 2, obviously we know, tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost when the Disciples gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out. 1 Corinthians 3.13 talks about a fire that will test our work and what sort of work that it is. 
1 Peter 1.7, comparing our faith to gold that is refined by Revelations 1.14, John's revelation of Jesus when he saw him said he had eyes like fire. There's this connection between the presence of God and fire. Fire is not a charismatic term to describe or to say that somebody is exuberant or passionate. The fire can produce passion, and it should. We can behave in an exuberant way sometimes because there's a fire shut up in our bones that we can't express, and sometimes it comes out in crazy ways. But I want to say to us today that the presence and fire of God does not line up with our expectations or our definitions. The fire and presence of God does not fit in our box. We don't get to define it. We don't get to control it. And we can't say what it looks like, what it feels like, or how it's supposed to manifest. Our job is to draw near to the fire and to yield to it, to make ourselves available to it and to allow it to do its work. So if it looks like laughter, if it looks like tears, if it looks like shaking, if it looks like standing still in awe and reverence, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what you're experiencing compared to what your neighbor is experiencing. The point is we are supposed to experience. We are supposed to have an experiential knowledge of our God. There is actually no, nowhere in scripture do I see where, where he actually makes account for or, or um, expects us to not experience him. Every single character in the Bible, every single story in the Bible. Do you know there's only one book in the entire Bible where God is not mentioned? The book of Esther. But his fingerprints are all over it. There's not one book in the Bible where, where it's not a story of a recounting of a telling or an example of God intervening in creation. Of God showing up and changing the circumstances of the situation. There's not one story, there's not one thing in the Bible that excuses us to be distant from God and not have a tangible close relationship with him. This isn't a rebuke and this isn't a, so much as a challenge as an invitation. I know I'm basically preaching to the choir here. I'm not saying that you're distant. I don't know where you are. Half the time I don't know where I am. but I know where I want to be. And I believe that I'm speaking to people who know where they want to be. And I want to draw closer. Even with what I'm experiencing right now, it's not enough. Fire does a lot of things. Just a few things that kind of were in my heart when I was praying and preparing for this is fire produces light. It lights up the darkness. It burns away impurities and cleanses. It produces heat. And fights off the cold. It 
in this season that I've been talking about in the last three months, there's, there's been so many things that not just with me, but corporately and all around in our environment where, where I'm seeing these things coming together. I know Joaquin has been talking a lot recently about having the world having no hooks in us. When Leif Hetland was here, I can't remember if it was from the stage or if it was in a time in the back or just a time in between services, but he said something very similar about the world having no hooks. I feel like that's part of what the Lord is doing right now in the, in the shaking, is removing all the hooks, all the self-reliance, all the things that can be shaken or hooks. Everything that would keep us from fully burning, fully coming into his presence, everything that would keep us attached to things that are not of his kingdom. And guys, some of those can be good things. But if they're stewarded in the wrong way or viewed or perceived in the wrong way, they can become a hook. This Christian walk is not about comfort. It's about closeness to him. And in this season, there's been a stripping away of comforts. There's been a removing of the things that are important. The things that would distract us on the peripheral to cause us to lock our gaze on the one with fire in his eyes. I don't remember how long ago it was. We were, Eddie and I were having a meeting in his office and we were, you know, probably planning, talking, working on something, you know, it was an actual meeting. And, uh, and then walking happens to pop in. <laughs> uh -huh. And I don't even remember how, like, we just kind of were throwing out comments and, and we, we started talking about the early days. Because if you guys don't know the testimony, Joaquin and I have known Eddie for about 30 years. And he got saved first, moved away. We went and visited him, encountered the Lord. We got saved. And, and so, like, our, our friendship goes before we knew Jesus. But then, yeah, Glenn's laughing over there because he, he was part of it. He started all that. <laughs> Eddie got saved through Glenn. We got saved through Eddie, right? But anyways, the point is that as we were coming to the Lord in our early days with the Lord and exploring this mystery that is our God, we were doing it together. And we just started to talk about these early days. Somehow we just started to tell testimonies of when we first encountered God. And we started to talk about all the different experiences that we had, the experiential knowledge. We started to flip through the scrapbook. Next thing we know, Joaquin's like, oh, I think Stephanie's trying to get my attention, let me know that it's time for our meeting. And then he looked at his watch and he's like, oh, actually, that meeting would have been over 45 minutes ago. <laughs> he wasn't 45 minutes late to it. It would have been over already for 45 minutes. We'd already been in there for like over two hours and didn't even realize it. <laughs> he said, I kept thinking this whole time I had to go back into my office and grab my coffee before it got cold. <laughs> we were so lost in the presence of God, just simply talking about the experiential knowledge of him. Talking about his fingerprints on our lives. We were just talking about Jesus. And we totally, utterly got lost. We lost track of time. 
all the agendas, the meetings, everything went out the window. We were letting things get stripped away. That same week, the core team, we were gathering for a core team meeting, and I think, might have, I think it was Tim, somebody started off and just in our core team meeting just repented of something. And it just like opened up this door and this invitation and we all just started repenting. And it was just this beautiful time of like, Lord, any hook, anything. We don't want anything holding us back. We don't want anything in the way. And I remember in that moment, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And this was like just after I had gotten that news three months ago. This was early into this part of the journey. And he gripped me. And I said, and I repented of replacing faith with determination. My wife and I were missionaries for a number of years. We lived by faith. We made hard choices. We done a lot of things. But the Lord showed me that that not all of that was in faith. And even the way that I was leading my family and some of the things that we were doing, good things, were more my determination than they were faith. And it was an invitation to lay that down and walk in a deeper level of faith. And with that came greater intimacy. And it's just been this process of the Lord. Just, you know, one thing after another, just continuing to pull back layers and continuing to draw close. In Revelation 3. Mm-hmm. When Jesus is speaking to the different churches, we know he speaks to the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea. And he says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It goes on to talk about because you, you've become rich and you say, I'm rich. And you don't realize your wretchedness, your nakedness. They had grown comfortable and complacent. Think about it. They were lukewarm. They weren't cold, but they weren't hot. They were close enough to the fire that it kept them comfortably warm. They weren't so far away from the fire that they grew cold and realized that they were in need or that they were in lack. Yet they weren't close enough to the fire to let it consume and burn away the impurities. They were at a nice, comfortable distance. We run this danger as believers, this risk of allowing ourselves to slide into a place of comfort and not even realizing it. We, we run a risk of, I can see the fire. Hey, I can even feel the fire. I'm aware of his presence. I can feel it. I can see it. I can sense it. It's keeping me a nice, comfortable 75 degrees Great shorts and t-shirt weather. Maybe, maybe, just maybe a hoodie. You can tell I'm from California. 
But when we're far away and we grow cold, we're faced with a choice. Then we really have to make a choice. Because if I'm going to be over here, away from the fire, and I'm cold, I'm going to be aware I'm cold. And what do you do when you're cold? You add some layers. And the colder you get, the more layers you add to try and produce or trap in your own heat. To conserve, to retain, to hold on to the heat that you produce and generate. And even if I'm in a nice, comfortable t-shirt and hoodie, when that temperature starts to rise, oh man, this is, don't worry, I'm stopping there. I can no longer remain comfortable in the same state that I was in over here as I draw closer to the flyer. I have no choice, no option, but to start to remove some things because I can't survive. Again, I was from Southern California, one of the most temperate climates in the world. I can't survive in 110 degree heat and much. I'm going to be in shorts and if necessary, a tank top and some flip flops. The point is, the closer we are, the hotter it gets, the more we have to strip away. Let's not make excuses for where we are. This one is a challenge. If we ever find ourselves saying, I don't, fill in the blank, we need to check our proximity. I don't dance. A big one for me, I don't sing. If you know me, it's like one of the most vulnerable things for me to do, to sing in public. I don't know if any of you guys were here on Father's Day. I got up and sang the Shema here, tears. I was crying. I was like a little baby, but it was out of obedience. It wasn't so we can have a nice, you know, polished service that I thought you all were going to be blessed by my singing. No, it was because the fire was calling me. And I had a choice to either take off a layer and get closer or to keep one on or add one and draw further away. But if we make statements like, oh, I don't, whatever. I'm not that type of person that, I'm, my personality is such that, no. Because according to my Bible, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. If he's my Lord and my life is fully surrendered to him, my opinion does not matter. My comfort no longer dictates my theology, my faith. My actions, my words, and when it does, I need to repent. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Ask my wife and my kids. There's plenty of times where I've let my emotions, my feelings, my opinions dictate my actions and my words, and I've had to go back and repent. But it's is there a full surrender? 
of lukewarm. If it's not good enough for Jesus, it's not good enough for me. And if you're calling me to draw closer and get uncomfortable, then that's what I'm going to do because you're worth it. And if you got to shake some things to remove some layers, to get my uh, attention for me to realize, hey, I'm getting a little cold over here or I'm lukewarm here, but I'm realizing in my lukewarmness, I've made an idol out of my hoodie. And that's what's keeping me warm. Then shake it and I'll get rid of the hoodie. Listen, there's a lot of well-meaning believers out there. They can quote the word. They can talk about Jesus till they're blue in the face. That say they believe. Let me just say this. I love you guys. I love everybody who's watching, if you're streaming this. But in James, he said, even the demons believe. In 2.18, he says, some of you will say, you have faith and have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He's not talking about good works here, I believe personally. I don't think it's just simply like, oh, I do these things. See, I'm a good believer. See how Christian I am? It's no, no, no. Oh, okay. You want me to step closer to the fire? Oh, okay. It's every act of obedience. It's every action that is surrendered to the lordship of Jesus in our life. It is every choice. It is every time that we feel that tugging in our heart. Every time we see that bush that is burning and we realize it's not natural and something inside of us turns aside. Those are the works that show our faith. The works where it's not us, it's not our strength, it's not our programs, it's not where I can lay it out for you and tell you exactly how I got here and how great I am and I'm going to write a book about it and come and follow me and I'm going to show you how to walk in this. No. It's when, oh my gosh, what is he doing? Where is he going? That must be Jesus. Even the man possessed by a legion of demons recognized Jesus. They cried out with a loud voice and said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? It's possible to believe it's possible to see the flame. It's possible to even feel its effect and not be surrendered to it. This isn't supposed to be a downer, guys. <laughs> They're like, wow, Jai. What I want this to do is to stir the burning inside of us. What I want this to do is to be like, oh God. It either speaks to the longing that's already there. Or if it's grown a little lukewarm or dormant, that it would wake it up and that it would produce in us a yearning and a hunger to draw even closer. And God, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what layers you want to remove. I don't care what needs to be shaken. I don't care what hooks we need to rip out. I don't care. I want to come fully into your presence. I want to draw as close as I can. And if your presence melts my face off, then so be it. Melt what needs to be melted. Burn what needs to be burned but I want to be as close to you as I possibly can. The story of the rich young ruler is interesting. I'm going to try and speed up here. So I'm going to paraphrase. We know this story, right? 
This rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he tells him, you know, basically, what must I be? Do? What must I do? He tells him, you need to follow the commandments. Interesting. I never saw this before until this season when I was preparing and reading this. He said, which commandments? Out of the ten main ones that we know, Jesus listed six. Six out of ten. He said, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For basically, do not covet your neighbor. What belongs to your neighbor. Six. What are the four that he left out? Think about it. Those six were basically all outward things. Do they affect the heart? Absolutely. Is, is it an indicator of the heart? Absolutely. But they're all things on a horizontal level. They all had to do with interaction between us. And we know he got to his heart. He, he went in deeper, you know, telling him to sell everything because he was getting to the heart. But listen to this. The ones that he left out, because I think he was baiting them, because his response was, I've kept all of these. Right? So we know, we know this story. He, he gives all of those and he said, I've kept all of these. What am I still lacking? Listen, there was something in him that realized I'm here. I'm close. I can feel the warmth, but there's still something missing. Well, I, I'm seeing the fire on this man. I could see the fire of God. I can see the one with the fiery eyes and I want that. There was something of hunger in in. in, in in longing in the rich young ruler's heart that he was coming to Jesus and saying, what do I do to draw closer to this fire? And Jesus totally set him up. No, my Jesus wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. Keep these commandments. Which ones? These. I've done all of that. Check, 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 check. I got the Christian handbook. I'm good. I went to all the I went to all the conferences. I went to all the classes. I go to church twice a week. And then he got straight to his heart. And that he couldn't do. The four that he left out. You shall have no other gods before me. We could stop there. You shall not make for yourself an idol or carved image. You shall not take his name in vain. I could unpack that one alone for hours, but I'm not going there. I'll just say this. I don't think it's saying Jesus when you hit your thumb with a hammer. When, we, when my wife and I got married... She took my name. Her last name is now Evans. Let's not take his name in vain. You can dig into that more. I'm just leaving there. And remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What? Have you guys been here when we're talking about rest? Renee was up here talking about rest. This is such an indicator of our heart and our faith level with the Lord because this is a day that reminds us to rest from our own works. This is a day that reminds us it's not my hoodie keeping me warm. It's the fire. It's the presence. That is actually what I need. That is actually my substance. That is actually where everything that I need flows from. They had to lay everything down for a day. The, man, I'm, I'm going to end up going over. <laughs> they, they would gather manna six days a week, right? Five days out of the week. If they tried to hoard, if they tried to gather too much, if they worried about provision for the next day, 
If they tried to do it in their own strength, the manna would rot. So it meant that they had to walk day by day by day for five days. But on the sixth day, supernaturally, they could gather enough for two days. Every other day would rot and spoil and go bad. But on that day, somehow, every week, can you imagine the reminder? Can you imagine what God was working into the psyche of the people of God, into their memories, even into the muscle memory of man? Of six days, I'm going to labor, I'm going to work. But every single week, one day, there's a supernatural reminder of, you know what? I didn't make this manna come down. I didn't create this. I can't make it rain manna. I can't make the manna uh, last and preserve. But the one who rained it down, not only does he give it to us every single day, but he can supernaturally preserve it on one day. Then even when it doesn't rain the next day, I still have enough. Even when I don't see the provision coming, I still have enough. Even when I can't see it with my natural eye, I still have enough. Even when I can't go out and do it in my own strength and gather and do it the way that I'm used to doing it all the other days, the way I've seen it work before, I can't follow the the program or the, the routine that I have. I can't follow that same recipe in this situation. And there's still enough. I think he left that out on purpose when he was talking to the rich young ruler. Because he was getting to an area of his heart. Oh, okay. What's the point? Him. His presence. His actual tangible, abiding presence that we can encounter, that we can interact with, that we can experience, that we can taste, touch, smell, see, hear, that actually impacts, shifts, and changes the world around us in our natural circumstances. The one who physically provides for us. It's not just a theory. It's not, you know, a concept, but actually physically provides for us. My invitation is that today we'd go deeper. Today we draw closer. I don't care. If you're in the best place of your life. I mean, I care, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) It's not about how bright you're burning or not. Because it's not a comparison. We're not sitting here looking at each other, be like, oh, you know what? I'm closer to the... No. We should all be facing one direction. Going towards the fire. And I want us to draw closer today. Remember, if there's truly no hooks, if there's truly no recipe or formula, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't even matter what it feels like. Why? Because we don't get to decide. It's about pure hunger And surrender to the awe that is God. I'm running a little over. If you need to get your kids, you can get your kids. I'm going to wrap and work. But I'm going to let you know there's going to be an invitation for ministry. We are going to do a fire tunnel. It might look a little different. We're going to talk about that. If you need to get your kids, go ahead and do that. And I'm I'm going to wrap. I wanted to read an excerpt. In closing, because in this season, as I've, as the Lord has been so gracious to me and drawing me close, He's had me read the book "The Pursuit of God" by A. W. Tozer. Yeah, <laughs> the response tells me who's read is like, oh. 
And I just want to read, read this, these uh, passages from it. Because so much of it is about this, about the experiential knowledge of God, about actually having this relationship, this closeness. And he says this, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God. And the church is famishing for want of his presence. The instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to enter his presence in spiritual experience. To become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. This would lift us out of our pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged. This would burn away the impurities from our lives as the bugs and fungi were burned away by the fire that dwelt in the bush. I love this line right here. What a broad world to roam in. What a sea to swim in as this God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that not just pull on your heartstrings? Does it not stir you to dive deeper into his presence? And later on, he says this. He's talking about his holiness. He's talking about, you know, all that God is, his attributes, being eternal, being outside of time, being holy, being omniscient. He's talking about all of these things, but he says this. Only fire can give even a remote concept of it. In fire, he appeared at the burning bush. In the pillar of fire, he dwelt through all the long wilderness journey. The fire that glowed between the wings of the cherubim and the holy place was called the Shekinah. The presence through the years of Israel's glory. And when the old had given place to the new, he came at Pentecost as a fiery flame and rested upon each disciple. His fire and his presence are tied in. It's his design, his delight, his pleasure that all of his children would draw close around his fire and be warmed by only him. No idol, no self-reliance, no determination, but true, utter faith and surrenderedness to him. Why don't you guys stand up? I realize we're streaming, so we have people that are watching that aren't here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer for us all. And then after that, I want to just give an invitation for anybody that wants some more of God. Anybody that wants to draw closer to the fire. So if, if that's you, you can stay put. Don't leave after I pray. But then we'll, we'll kind of close and dismiss those that need to go. Just put your hands out. Do whatever you want. But just a posture of complete openness. God, I thank you that you are near. And it's really just an awareness of how close you already are, what's already on offer. The position of our heart reveals the perception of your, our proximity to you. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now that you'd come and touch our hearts. God, remove every false perception. Remove everything, Lord, that would hinder us from hearing and seeing the invitation that's available. Remove everything that would keep us comfortable and lukewarm, God. Stir in us a hunger, God, to draw closer to you, God, to be willing to embrace the burning of your presence. 
God, remove every hook and allow your fire to have its work in our life, God. Jesus, we want you. Abba, Father, we say yes to you. Holy Spirit, we yield and we surrender to your working. Jesus, to your lordship. God, to your sovereignty. I pray that if you're not here today, that the fire of God would touch you wherever you are. I pray the fire of God, his presence, to fill your bedroom, to fill your living room, to fill your home, to fill your workplace, to fill your car, wherever you are. If you need to pull over, if you need to stop, if you need to lay down, whatever it is that like Moses, you'd be willing to turn aside, that you'd be willing to yield and allow the presence of God to come crashing in on you. Because it's all about him in our lives. Bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.